0: I think the biggest myth is that people think if you talk about suicide, people are going to do it.
1: Thank you for joining me for another episode of Eyes Up, Heart Open. I'm Carla Tenike. I started my podcast journey as a way to connect with people from all walks of life, giving them space to share their stories with me, one person at a time.
0: lost my partner to suicide July 9th 2003 and that is where my crazy journey started right now I um, co-facilitate a support group for Mm -hmm. people who have lost someone to suicide and I we do a go around the room so everybody will introduce themselves share their story Mm -hmm. and then I kind of listen and then from there I can pick where I want to share my story. Kind of like which point you want to jump in on? Or yeah, whatever. because I'll listen to what they have to say and figure out, like, where I can connect with them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, like, a little weird right now to just kind of start with it open, you know? Well, how,
1: how often do you change <clears throat> that story? Like, what, like, so when people share, like, what, are they, are they... Well kind of talking about Mm -hmm. their feelings about it? Are they talking about the actual, like, this is what happened, like the factual part, or just does it kind of change with each person and what they're
0: sharing? Most often the first time someone comes to group, they want to share their story as far as maybe what was going on prior to the suicide, although a lot of people do not have a clue. But we've had, like, parents or someone who's had a child who struggled. Yeah. So – A lot of people want to share sort of that beginning story, and then they want to talk about the suicide, and not so much how the person killed themselves, but more about how maybe who found them, what happened in that first week, um, and their feelings, who they reached out to, that sort of thing, and I think that's very helpful, but I think that they're really just craving that connection to somebody who understands because even though I've lost, you know, other people in my life, it's very different with suicide because mm-hmm. you're left with a lot of questions. So even that parent who's lost a child who has struggled most of their life, there's still a lot of questions. Like, right. I think that to the average person, you might think, well, they struggled for so long. But those, that parent still has that question as why. Right, and that never really goes away, does it? No, because you've
1: experienced your your dad. Your, your dad died. Crap. How many years ago?
0: Uh, September two thousand
1: ten. Yep. You're making me do
0: math now. Okay, sorry.
1: <laughs> Five That'd years ago. Six years. Six years, years ago. September. See, do you see why I just? Yeah. yeah.
0: But so, you, but you know what's funny about that too? What that reminds God, me. God, that seems
1: like it was just yesterday, though, right?
0: Six years you ago. You know, Five? it's funny. I have to tell you, that's a little pet peeve I have. What? I hate when people say that. It, do you want to know why? Tell me. Because don't you like? And, and it actually was very different with Brenda than with my father, yeah. but I would like, not so much with my father, but when people said that to me about Brenda, I would want to punch them in the face because hmm. I'd be like, you know, fuck you. It seems like it's been, you know, a year went by quick, but I just spent a year grieving.
1: Because you, you feel like it kind so, of like belittles your grief?
0: Well, it's exhausting. Or- so I, it kind of is almost like, I'm like, that was easy for you, but right. it wasn't for me. Right. But... It is interesting. interesting. With my father, I have a different connection. And it does feel like yesterday for me with my dad. Mm. But when I watch how my mom is struggling still and how, you know, you can talk, you can bring up something that seems so small and it'll send her, you know, crying and she's... Oh, I get it. Yeah. 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 So it's just... And I think that because... I lost my partner. My mom and I relate differently with my dad's death yeah. than my sister's might. Yeah. My mom actually, which she so did not need to do, she, after my father died, she apologized to me because she said she felt like she wasn't there enough for me because she felt it differently. But she was my, I could not, my, both of my parents were amazing when Brenda died. They, and they were going through their own grief like at the time it's something that you don't think about but right. they were struggling too they adored her yeah and they there was no hesitation you know i moved in with them they helped me with melissa you know just different yeah. things so yeah. it was like kind of crazy to me that she felt like she needed to apologize you know 7 8 years later
1: i get that though and actually yesterday i was having this conversation with somebody here And she was explaining how she kind of had a falling out with a friend because her friend had a baby die. And the friend said, I don't feel like you were there for me in the way I really needed you. And she says, you know, my mom just died and I get it now. Because you notice everybody who shows up. You notice every card that gets sent. Who sends them, who doesn't. Who expresses their condolences when they see you, who doesn't. And it's a complicated dance. If If you haven't experienced it, you don't know how important how important it is for somebody to reach out and actually say those things, even though you 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 might think like oh, I don't want to make them sad or I don't want to like bring them down. But it's important to be not to have it be acknowledged. I think. Yeah. But also, she says I get it now. I get it. And I said you need to write her a letter, even though you're not friends anymore now. You need to tell her that you get it now. I think it's going to be a powerful thing for her because what a powerful thing is it for you right now? It's still on your mind, you right. know. Right. And I and I I get your mom getting it in a a different way right now and i think that that says a lot about her to bring it up and and feel
0: like she needs to apologize but how would she have known really right you know right but now you've got this link well it's funny because i for me with my dad and as well with brenda i kind of think my the way i work is i go into like a numbness Mm. so it's not that i didn't notice the people that were around i had my sister, Kat, went to the hospital with me because Brenda actually um, was alive for 12 hours before she officially died. And she was there and then I have a friend, Nancy. My sister, I don't remember if my sister or I, one of, I know I wanted to call her and tell her. And she dropped everything and came to the hospital and sat with me. And then I was lucky there were some friends from work and my pastor. I, uh, at the time, went to to church, uh, Grace Lutheran Church, Mm -hmm. and uh, Pastor Larson, he um, came right down right away, and it's funny because there's little things that you remember, because Brenda's family and I did not get along, and they very much blamed me for her suicide because I think they had a very difficult time with her being gay, and I guess if I didn't exist, she wouldn't be gay, which is funny, you know, but... And I wasn't the only partner she had, but so I re- I remember people being there and I don't remember too much about it. I remember kind gestures. I remember like my friend Nancy afterward drove me home. And I think there's this like overwhelming feeling. Like I just felt nauseous. Like you just can't even imagine how your life's going to go on and you're kind of stuck in that place. So because of that and everything going on, I remember some things, but I know there were people that were there that I don't remember them being there. But the same thing happened with my father, my father's wake. I remember it being there being so many more people than I ever expected. And I guess the line was like out the door from what Mm -hmm. I was told. And it just it's overwhelming the kindness, and you appreciate it. But I kind of don't remember every person that was there. And it's funny, my sister Susie had just pu- pulled out the, there was, a, there was a guest book and there were some names in there that I just don't remember them being there. And then you feel bad. But I think the problem with grief is that you need that kindness as you go on the journey. Yeah. So the hard part is is as bad as the person felt like someone wasn't there. And it's hard when you're in grief, but I think you just have to tell people what you need. Which just so hard, right? It's very hard. but you I don't even know it's... what you need. No. You, right? No, no, like, no. I don't no. remember knowing and it's what I funny. needed. So I don't really watch reality TV. And my friend Nancy kept telling me it was mindless TV and it would just keep me busy. And she was like constantly throwing it on. Mm-hmm. And it actually helped because it just kind of like was something yeah. there. And and yeah. and I and it's funny, I don't have an interest in it now. Yeah. But it was something that just kind of t- took my mind off of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, but... um. I, it does remind me that it was probably about two years after Brenda had died and I was out to dinner with a couple of friends from work one of my sister's friends was there and I hadn't seen her in a few years and she walks up and she just she's like oh, Sherry I'm so sorry I think about you every day and she was going on and on and how sad she was and she walks away and my friends were like, Oh my God, what happened? And I was like, Brenda died. And it's sort of like some people see you and they're back at the funeral. Yeah. So that that was another thing that was kind of hard because as I would see people and it's hard because, you know, I can't be mad. That I they see me and they remember and it's sad yeah. and so that that was a little bit of a struggle too. But Yeah.
1: It's exhausting, right? It that is. part of it, because then it's like you're, you're, you're bring, you're feeling their grief and they're grieving because they are too, you know, exactly. And then you're like, oh fuck, I thought I was like so much further ahead in my journey and I was having a good day, you know. Yeah. But that's just part of it. And then, then that's it. That's the thing is like, we don't know if you're that kind of person. Like, don't even bring it up. I'll see you. Like, just send me a card. I could read it privately. Right. Or when you see me. I'd love to hear that or I'd love to know how Brenda affected your life. Like I want to know that, you know. Like right. and that's I think the hard thing is that when people experience loss, the people around them don't know which type of person you, you are, right. right? Right. And it's like always a gamble where you're like, "Fuck, did I just upset them or did I did I honor Brenda's memory by saying right. she was wonderful and I think about you guys all the time and you
0: know?" I I tend to tell people like in group or something. I I think bringing it up is a good thing. Yep. I think that in the it might make me sad in that moment, but I think it it doesn't really make you any sadder, to, any sadder than on a Tuesday. You know, right. like you, you having your memories, I might get teary-eyed and I might be sad, but I think the good feeling overrides the sadness. Yeah. Because well, none of us want to be forgotten.
1: I, I was just about to bring that up and say that's one of the things i struggle with like with my friend eric like he was all over the news he was he was national and world news when he was missing I remember. and like and and everyone talked about it and it was all over facebook and social media and everything and then like i just struggle because it's like life goes on people are posting about their cats and their coffee and their what they had for breakfast and like there's less public remembrance about him right. and i struggle with people forgetting him and forgetting my mom and that's why i've got pictures of her everywhere i've got pictures of him on my fridge um I look at him every single day and I just think of that like you know that's the big struggle. I don't want to forget people that have died at all and I don't right. want to be forgotten when I die. Right. You know, and just like we were talking with Boo like she's not going to be forgotten and right. Brenda's not going to be forgotten. Like I think about her a lot and I don't know that I even even actually met her. I don't know that I did.
0: I don't remember.
1: <laughs> I don't think I did, but I I don't I think about her at least once a week. I do. And I keep, and I actually keep thinking I've been meaning to ask you for a picture, and I could always use a picture I took to add to my altar
0: over there. Oh, okay,
1: yeah, i yeah. love that.
0: That's my favorite picture, so.
1: Oh, I'll print that out and I'll put that in there then. Yeah, she she needs to be up. I need to I need to revamp my altar over in the corner. It's like <laughs> yeah. my kids are involved, and kids come over and they kind of touch things and play. And but it's like a remembrance altar, yeah. like from Day of the Dead that I've kept up since I moved into my house in two thousand seven. So yeah. Anyway. But that's I forget what track we were talking oh, we we're talking about not forgetting. Um yeah, and I think that is a beautiful thing to talk about them and, and then actually even if it does make you sad, it's like you're if I'm talking about her with you and you're feeling sad, like I'm here with you. Yeah. As opposed to like when it hits at home and you're by yourself and you're like,
0: fuck. Like it just sucks, right? Yeah, and it's so it's so crazy, you know, in the in the beginning, which is funny, I think a lot of people when you lose somebody, you always because it's a journey. there's the before and after, you know, yeah. before Brenda died after Brenda died. and then in the beginning. And in the beginning, I never, I mean everything was a trigger. Everything, you know, like just the dumbest shit, would yep. yep. And um, <clears throat> now it can be like the silliest thing, but you just never see it coming. But it's, it's, it's not as often, you know, Mm. like I can handle some of the things, but I'm one of those people who I also really believe in like signs. Mm. And I'm, I honestly don't know what I believe happens after you die that, and that was really hard for me because everybody would come up to me and tell me what they believed, but they say it so as a matter of fact that it feels like they're shoving it in your face sometimes. Mm. And I don't believe with everything that someone might be saying so that was that was kind of hard to hear when I was really numb yeah but um one of Brenda's good friends the first thing she had said to me was energy never dies and she kept telling me just be open to the signs and they'll come and always take them as a gift So I was really careful to do that. And I remember, and I even, I had to, I was speaking this, in November, we do a thing called International Survivors Day. It's always the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And every state has a little conference, so to speak. And there's bigger ones like in Boston. But um, I was speaking at this one and I was a little nervous on my way over. And usually when I talk at group, it's fine because there's, you know, just a handful of people and they're sharing their stories but I had to get up in front of a group and have this talk and so I was a little nervous and I'm like okay just need a little sign and as I got literally three minutes from the building U2 starts playing and she was huge U2 fan Mm. and I I remember right before she died the uh was it vertigo with a beautiful day oh my god but she would like, like it seriously, it would get on your nerves because she. No, be I like, was over. the same way. Oh, yeah. i, feel like I beat it like, seriously, I just heard the song ten times. Yep. You know, over and over. So, that song came on, and and different songs mm-hmm. will remind me too. Coldplay was another favorite of hers, <laughs> and it's funny because even like Melissa, we were watching the halftime show, different places, and with Coldplay coming on, Melissa's texting me, I'm already crying, and we were laughing because some of the songs she wasn't even alive for, but. it's like such a strong connection, you know? But, um, so I just, when I have those little signs, I take them and I'm grateful for them. And I remember when I was kind of questioning a little bit about that, I was in group once and we had, um, two parents talking about their son's suicide and they were big believers in signs because their son loves spiders You don't hear that very often. I'm not a fan. No. But he studied them and he was like so into spiders. And they were like, at his wake, above the casket, a little spider came down and started crawling on his body. What? And I was like, any other person that would totally freak them out, like you'd be pissed, you know? They said they just cried and they just knew. They they were like, that was our sign. Our son's okay. And yeah, but I was like, so I, so I'm open to them. Yeah. I'm very open to them. I know. I wish I, I wish I, um,
1: I feel like I miss them sometimes. And then other times I don't. Like, I feel like Eric talks to me through music. Like, if Mm. I'm feeling a particular way and a song comes on that reminds me of him and I'm like, oh my gosh, he knows. I was just thinking about him. And the song comes on. I'm like, all right. So I'm, I'm really open to that. And his wife said that he communicates with her through music too. When she's driving and feeling like, you know. She feels like in her car she could just be the most vulnerable, and then a song will come on that yeah. was like really, really, really meaningful to them or whatever. Um, yeah, so that's pretty. Speaking of music, actually, and you're talking about Coldplay, and you mentioned that um, there's songs that she's not even alive to hear. Like, how, like don't do you feel like, or do you do you notice that stuff where you're like, I think of that when songs come on that were popular when my mom died, and I'm like. James Blunt, what happened to you, bro? Like, he was yes. big the year she died, right. I believe. And then I'm like, he just dropped off the face of the earth. Like, he was like some big superstar, right? And right. Then, and then like he's just gone. And then like, she never really got to hear like all this new stuff that's out there. And like, yeah. she never got to see an iPhone. She never got to like, oh yeah, oh, right? Like, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Yeah. Like,
0: it's a little. It's a little sad because you realize is. the world
1: has gone on or it that's that's really what what ends up like hitting me is that like when i think of mu- you know music she loved like she loved willie nelson and he's got new music out i'm like she never got to
0: hear that like right ugh. it just um like, it's like the strangest things that are the triggers it's like you know it's funny i because i think it's more that we don't get to experience it with them yeah because yeah i when brenda and i once had a conversation and so the one thing Brenda did, which she would probably kill me if she knew, she was a smoker, and I hate cigarettes more than anything. Yeah. And when we were talking about like what we thought happened after, whether you want to call it heaven or whatever, um, we were having a conversation, and she always said that she'd be sitting on a deck with her beer smoking a cigarette, and that was kind of her. So it's funny, I do feel like yeah. that would be it. So how long have you been part of the group that you keep referencing? Okay. So so Brenda died in July and while I had great support, I felt like I needed to connect with You know what it was? I needed to see someone who was surviving. Mm. I felt like am I really going to get through this? I needed to see that somebody was okay and that life was good. So I went I googled everything possible and I came across American Foundation for Suicide Prevention um, and they had a listing of support groups so I jumped on there and there was one right in West Harford mm-hmm. so I called the number and there for some reason back then they didn't have a meeting in August and I, it might have been because we the churches will usually donate space so um, the woman was very kind and what also helped is her daughter was gay and so I because I think people were very worried about me being around anyone who would say something that would be hurtful and um I met her friendlies in West Hartford Center and it just was a really good connection she had lost her husband to suicide and she lost her father to suicide so I connected with her and then i started going to the meetings once a month and it was really interesting to hear different people's stories and i'm very glad i stayed because the in the beginning it's not comfortable i you walk in and everybody looks so normal and it's not that you want to like see them like crying but you're in this place at the time i was some people wait you know a year or whatever before they go to a meeting but i was in a place where i had this like desperate feeling to hold on to something And so I ended up staying, and I listened to all their stories. And I think the first couple times I went, I didn't even speak. But hearing their stories, and everybody's story was different, but there was a connection and an understanding. Mm -hmm. And because even in the beginning, I kept thinking, okay, my story is just so different. Brenda didn't have anything, you know, a mental health issue or anything. This was just because her family didn't accept her. Like, I was so convinced of that. then as time went on you start to realize you know we all go through shit and we all have things that suck but we don't all kill ourselves so i had to really come to terms with it being that this was something with a mental health issue as well
1: yeah
0: and um i met some great people in this group and the the thing is for some reason we were losing our space because blueback was being built Mm. back then And the church St. James on Farmington Avenue ended up donating their space to us and they've been fabulous. So at that point, I want to say that was like maybe 2006, um, the leaders were leaving. So they were looking for someone to facilitate and Kathy, my co-facilitator, we went and they trained us in Boston and went through. And that, and that was also one of those things where I was like, Oh my God, can I do this? Because now I'm in a room of like a hundred and something people and we're all sharing our stories. Mm. And, you know, I coming out in the eighties versus now where everything's so much more public, I still have in my head how we were treated and different things that happened. I was like, Oh my God, now I, so now I'm sharing my story and I'm coming out to a room full of people and I was I so it crazy. That. Yeah. But I did it. And the thing that was so touching is this woman came up to me and she was like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad you're here. I lost my partner too." And she was going on and on, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome." And then as I'm talking, I'm realizing her partner was a guy. And I'm totally just thinking, "But it she just connected with me." Yeah. And it and it kind of made me feel more at ease. Right. So we've done this training and everything. So then So I've been doing that forever, it feels like. But Mm -hmm. um, a couple years ago, maybe three or four years ago, we wanted to start a chapter in the northern part of Connecticut. And a bunch of us met, I can't even tell you how many times. It was just crazy trying to get everything in place. And so finally, December of 2014, we officially became a chapter. So I sit on the board there, work with some great people, Getting trained on different things. Um, there's a training called "More Than Sad," mm-hmm. um, where we're going into the schools now and talking to the teachers and trying to teach them to look for signs and how to handle different situations. It's been it's been hard because even with our walks, the radio stations and the TV stations, no one wants to promote our walks. Suicide is still something that is taboo, mm. and it's getting frustrating. Um, trying, you know, it's not that I don't care about any other cause, but when you hear all these different things being said, oh, today this walk, you know, and then they won't even mention ours. It's kind of, kind of difficult. That is difficult. It's It's, disappointing. And
1: it is disappointing because there's, it's like one of those things that you just don't realize how many people it affects or are affected by it. Right. And it's not helpful that it's stigmatized as much as it is at all. Right.
0: You know? Yeah. It's, it's something you know i never really thought about it until it happened and then there are people that have walked through our doors that want support but when they share their story they are not honest with people of how they lost their loved one mm. so they might say he had a heart attack right instead of he killed himself I, I think the biggest myth is that people think if you talk about suicide people are going to do it mm. And that is a huge oh myth. My God. Yeah. So as, as soon as Brenda died, I went into therapy because I'm one of those people I need to like talk. I'm a yeah. big talker. And I just, it's almost like you get these whys and you want to know why. So it's like being in therapy, you can talk through it and all these, you know, why this and this and this. And, and it's funny because I remember the first book I read was this book called No Time to Say Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And it's a woman who lost her husband and you kind of become this you're an investigator you want to you know you want to figure out what happened and but one of the things that she said and it took me a while to click is that your mind kind of like it fucks with you in the sense that you will go through all these like well what if i did this what if this but the thing is at the end your person's gone they're already they're dead so it's like this movie in your head and you're constantly trying to change it but it just never changes okay so the best way my therapist had explained this to me is that it's almost like a tunnel vision that people sometimes get themselves into and they are convinced that by killing themselves they're going to make every person in their life situation better like you are almost better off without them but sometimes You know, even the cop had said to me, if Brenda had tripped, it might have kicked her out of this tunnel vision or bubble or some way of thinking Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I, I really strong feel strongly that if you say to someone, do you want to kill yourself? Are you planning on killing yourself or something to that degree? It kind of kicks them into another place where they realize somebody realizes and you can help them get help or you can figure out what the next step is. Well, what do you advise for that? Because I actually, this just came up for me
1: where I was the only person that somebody reached out to. Probably in what day is today? Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah, a week ago, tomorrow it will be a week where this person was literally standing on a cliff for an hour and a half, on a cliff, and wanted to die. And the only reason they didn't was because their daughter texted them a picture. Wow. Yeah. So now here I am, all over this person, like texting yeah. them, had them over, reaching out, letting them know I care about them. And, and I, I actually, in all honesty, I don't really know this person very well. But I was the person they reached out to. So now uh-huh. what? I mean, they're in therapy, <clears throat> I think three times this week. What what would you tell me now, to do?
0: Wow. Um, well, I'm glad that they're in therapy. That's that's a big plus. If you ever are in a place where you don't know what to do, also, like, don't hesitate. Call nine one one. Like, if if this person were to tell you, I'm standing on a ledge at right. Someone you you know, don't even after. hesitate. Yeah. No, I wasn't.
1: I wasn't told while they were there because I um, would have done that.
0: But I think just I think just sometimes the reminders of that they're cared about and that you're there yep. and you're willing to listen, um, because a lot of times you know things look better the next day. Or, mm. but I also, I think because of where what I've been through, I wouldn't hesitate to remind someone how much you're gonna fuck up your daughter's life if you're not here. Oh,
1: I I was like here, and they they lost their father and i'm like you're doing that to them you're going to exactly. be doing that to them so, you know how you feel
0: because and, really it's it's sort of like you're taking the pain from one person and you're giving it to another person exactly yeah. and i and i and i don't want to make light of what somebody is struggling with at that moment right. but those might be reminders that they need because yeah now your your kid has to live with it forever and you know i I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that one of the last things Brenda had said to me was, and of course at the moment it didn't, it was something nice, but it wasn't something I really thought about. But the last thing she said to me was I was the first person that taught her unconditional love. And I feel like that was a gift, you know, like that was a nice thing to say in our relationship. And, but now that she's gone, that's something that means a lot to me, but did you feel like that was kind of an out of the blue thing for her to tell you? Like, was it before bed? Was it like, what was the context? Well, I mean, Brenda's suicide totally was a surprise to me, but now that she's gone, I look back and I feel like there were little signs. And I wonder if that, you know, it came so natural in the conversation at the time. I didn't Mm -hmm. think about it. It's definitely something I look back and I wonder now, Yeah. And we, I am one of those people that, um, if I'm in an argument with someone, I need to walk away. And we had an argument and it wasn't even that big of a deal, but I went to walk away and she grabbed me. And now looking like at the time I was pissed that she did. I mean, she didn't hurt me or anything, but she grabbed me because she didn't want me to leave. Right. But now looking back, I feel like that was kind of a sign. But I mean,
1: how long was that bef- between, like, so that was the last thing she said to you, and then how long until?
0: Well, so we had had our argument in the evening, so it was summertime, it was still light out, and I was going to go for a walk, but I ended up going for a, a ride to my parents' house, so from Glastonbury to West Harford. When I got there, my dad was like, well, I was ignoring my phone. Brenda kept calling, and I was ignoring, I was pissed, when I got to my parents' house. Rena, knowing me, knew where I went, and she's like, "My dad right away is like, I can hear his voice now. It's like, honey, just go talk to her. She's sorry. She loves you, you know." I was like, oh. "So I did. I went. I went back to the house, and we talked, and it and it felt fine. It like I said, it wasn't like a crazy argument or anything. It was just like you know me being kind of a brat because you hurt my feelings, and I left and." So we were kind of just chatting and I remember we watched a movie that I don't remember anything about. I think it's like 10 things I hate about you or something like that. Do you remember <laughs> that movie? I just remember but we were talking so much I don't remember the movie. So it all just seemed normal. Like we went to bed normal. We went to and I and I think for Brenda the struggle was because we had just moved in together. Yeah. We had dated for like 5 years, but we had just moved in together. <clears throat> And it had been 10 days. And her family, her sister and her parents, they all were out of town. So I thought it was just the stress of them coming home and realizing this is for real. Like, Sherry and Melissa moved in. So I didn't really think anything of it. Didn't think it was anything crazy. Yeah. So. And then what happened that night? um so we went to bed and everything was normal I think I remember it's so funny like ask me what I had for dinner last night and I can't tell you but I can remember so many little details that are not important I remember we went to bed and, <laughs> and there was something about Jack Osborne going into rehab or something
1: mm.
0: and she was like totally into it watching it so but we ended up going to bed like everything was normal mm-hmm. and then um it was about two thirty in the morning I heard like noises that were unfamiliar and didn't know what they were so I like got up quick and she wasn't in bed she lived we lived in a raised ranch so I looked down the hallway and I could see the TV was on so I went running down there to see what was wrong and as I was going down the police came in and they told me that she had at this point it was an attempt so I and you know this is the thing that that's crazy is I had so many feelings at that moment, you know, fear obviously being one. But the other thing I remember, too, is thinking like, oh, my God, now I have to also tell the cops that I'm gay. Like, how are they going to react to the fact mm. that we're a couple? You know, mm. like, I will say I have nothing but good things to say that I don't remember. There were quite a few cops there. They were first of all, I wanted to go outside and they wouldn't let me. Best decision they made at the time. I was pissed at them. But best decision ever. And they were so comforting. Mm. And I called my mom, who came to get me. And... Um, and what exactly did they tell you that when they said that you couldn't go out? Like, were they like, like, what do you say to somebody? Do you remember? They they thought it was for the best. They say Just it's for me. the best for you yeah. not to come out and see her. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Um, you know, at the time I was pissed. I, I, but I think I also... You could, could kind of feel their energy that this was to protect me. So even though I was pissed at them, I think a part of me knew this was okay. You know, like I need to listen. Yeah. So they airlifted her to Bridgeport. And my sister Kat and I drove out there. So I did I did get to see her, and I was with her when she died. Um, and every I have to say that every person that I came into contact was amazing. Amazing, And um, we were sitting in the waiting room. At this point, it was just me and my sister and her sister and her brother-in-law. And the, a woman chaplain came in and asked if we wanted to pray. And they wanted um, someone who was Catholic, so they were going to wait. And the woman who prayed with us um, turned out to be Lutheran, which is the religion I was brought up with. And her last name happened to be Brown, which was kind of funny. And then when she figured out that Brenda was my partner, she went and got her boss. So the head chaplain was a lesbian, and so she wow. did some connections. And then um, when the Catholic priest came, you know, it's funny. I don't even remember what, where he was from. He had an accent, and his he had very, very, very dark skin. And I swear to God, this is probably one of the most beautiful men I ever saw. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but when he spoke, it sounded it sound like an angel. Like he just, he was so comforting and there, you could just hear the love in his voice. And once again, that felt like another gift, you know, like yeah. it just, and then he, and he came over and he said something to the effect of, you know, who was her partner? And everyone pointed at me. And, you know, you hear all the Catholic things, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know. But he came over right away, and he was like, she loves you. When you go in and you see her, don't stop talking. She can hear everything you're saying. Like, it was just, it was wow. beautiful. Like, seriously beautiful. Like I, That's what it should be. I feel like it was an angel that came yeah. to us, you know. And so that, that was pretty awesome.
1: And the hospital was supportive of you coming in, even though you guys weren't married, or... Yes. Yeah.
0: I, I, was... I, I think that, um, you know, Brenda's family and I did not really get along and they were definitely not happy. And once family started showing up, my friends and I were sent to another waiting room, which was in a hallway. And I think that to the nurses that were involved, that was hurtful for them too. And... So I think, if I'm going to be honest, I think things were worded in a way that I'm not sure they realized they had a choice to keep me out. So, yeah. So we were very lucky. So I was, i actually, her brother and I were the first ones to go in and see her. And um, <laughs> so I, it was hard, it's hard, it's very hard to stand, like, to stand there and talk to someone, but you want to because you want to make sure that they know you're there and you want your presence known and to make sure they know how much they're loved. But, you know, it's also hard because a part of you is kind of like you don't want to give them permission to go, you know, because in your own selfish way, you want them to stay. Yeah. But at this point, I knew that that was not going to happen. And if there was a miracle, it would be a very painful life for her. Um, so I did, I got to spend my time alone with her and I told her that it was okay for her to leave and one little tear came out of the corner of her eye and I just, I felt like she heard me and every, I'm telling you, every single nurse told me, keep talking, she's going to hear you. That's the last thing that goes is they hear every word you're saying. So I was very grateful for that and just kept telling her how much I loved her and, You know, I wanted her to be okay, and so that was hard. (laughs) That was hard. Although I was pissed at her, too, at one point. You know? Did you tell her that? I didn't tell her well that day. It was probably weeks later. Yeah. Weeks later. I
1: think... Maybe that's not even setting in, you know, because you're like,
0: oh my God. You know, because is she all covered and wrapped when you saw her? Well, okay, this is the other amazing thing that I sometimes forget to tell people, but this is... Brenda, so I really don't really, I often do not like to really talk about how she killed herself. However, you know, you can kind of guess. But when
1: Why do you not,
0: by the way? Why? You know, the honest truth is there is nothing Brenda's done that's ever embarrassed me. And it's very sad that she got to a point where she felt she needed to do this and despite all my feelings of feeling like did I fail her did she not know how much she was loved it's the reaction that people usually give and I even had a therapist that said when I was interviewing for my daughter I had a therapist that said oh she was very angry this was her fuck you to the world and that sort of thing. And I don't necessarily think that's true. I mean, I think there was a fuck you to it. And I think that she was in a lot of pain, but I think that as much as I would love to just say, it's all her family's fault. This was Brenda. This was, you know, whatever demon she fought for how long this wasn't. And I'm in no way am I saying that I'm okay with this because I truly believe that if she had been more honest, more open, you know, that something could have helped her. Because despite how everyone got along or what anyone thought, she was loved. She was very loved. And in her case, I feel like she just didn't realize how loved she was. So even when I'm in group, I don't usually share. Like a lot of people will come in. It's usually not the most talked about thing. People don't, unless you're like brand new, sometimes you need to get it off your chest. but I noticed, you know, in the beginning, that's what I needed to do. And then I noticed as time went on, the reaction I got from everybody, I felt like, honestly, when it comes down to it, the fact that somebody killed themselves is what's hurtful and what just sucks. And it's not how, because every how sucks. Because I think people have in their head that if somebody hangs themselves, that it's not as bad, it's not as quote messy, you know. The end result is we don't have the person we love. So I just, I just don't always share that. And how do you? How do people react that it affects you enough where you're not going to say what she did?
1: It's it's because I don't a, think anybody would guess. I don't think no. anyone listening to this can figure it out. Nope.
0: I think the reaction is is that almost maybe people think that Brenda was more <clears throat> fucked up than anyone else
1: because of the way she killed her. Yes.
0: Yeah. So maybe it's not just me protecting myself. It's like I'm kind of protecting her.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is so ridiculous because... It's not ridiculous. New, no, her. because most people know. You know, like Great, people but... in my life know. And you could Google it and you could, you know. Sure, but... But, yeah, it's... I feel like it takes away... Like when I'm sitting in group and I'm t- sharing my story, you hear that, oh, it takes everyone's breath away. And I feel like it takes away from what I really want to talk about.
1: But don't you feel like it also gives people a space to really appreciate the journey that you've been through too? Because I have to say that's even though the end result is they're both they're dead. It doesn't matter how they killed themselves, they're dead. But I feel like and I can't speak from experience because I have not experienced this, but I I in my mind and I've I've thought about this a lot, I thought about you nonstop when it happened. And I just thought like fuck, because I didn't know that you didn't see and that you weren't, you know, and I was like, fuck, I wish I could just, like, protect you in a bubble and, like, because it was so probably painful, you know, like, a, you know, and I just feel like, like, it almost diminishes your grief journey a little bit, like, when I said, oh, it seems like yesterday, you're like, I hate that, but isn't that just the same thing, though, in a way, like,
0: Sort of. I mean, I can see why you would think that. I I don't feel that because I think most people in my life know, yeah. and supported me and loved me and helped me through. Yeah. So it's sort of like such a small like. I feel like to the person who doesn't know me, it would be huge, right? And it takes away from the actual important part to me, and which the, is what, which is the fact that. I lost someone I love very dearly that I think could have been preventable. And I think the journey as a survivor is so difficult because because of the stigma with suicide, a lot of people still don't want to talk to you because they don't want to bring up the suicide. They don't want to... Right. So this journey, and it's so different than losing my father. Right. You know, it's, it's so different. And... You, the it's such a roller coaster ride, which which I know any death really is, but it's it's so different with the whys and just different connections and processing and you know feeling like you failed somebody, yeah because I'm at a point now where and it's funny somebody had told me that the why's at some point really aren't gonna matter anymore, and I thought that's so ridiculous, but i I can tell you right now it really isn't something I focus on anymore. Yeah on occasion I'll stop and I'll think about it and, you know, cry or whatever. But for the most part, that part has gone.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, I, I think about Brenda a lot and I miss her and I have my triggers and can just start crying over a song or something I see or, you know, Melissa, the summer that Brenda died, we had gone to the beach and we were in, we were in, uh, Rhode Island. And Melissa, who was 11 at the time, we're in the water. We're swimming. And she says to me, because Brenda was a huge lover of like the ocean, she would go in when it was cold, or even when we weren't supposed to go in because there was a hurricane out there. So Melissa says, turns and looks at me. She's like, Mom, Mom, just turn and face the waves and close your eyes and let the wave roll over you. And it'll feel like Brenda's hugging you. So like That happened when she's 11, but now every time I'm in the water, that's, you know, something that I think of. And sometimes it just makes me smile, and then other times it makes me cry. You just, you never know what you're going to feel and how you're going to process it.
1: Do you ever go through, because you lost your dad and you lost your partner, both very different ways,
0: do you ever think like,
1: well, fuck, man, my dad would have done anything to still be alive, and you took your life. Like, what? Like, is that a big struggle? Is that something that, or are you
0: not, you're, that's that's not in your head? No, that, in the beginning, maybe in the first two-ish, three years, that was yeah. one of those things you think about all the time. And, you know, even, not so much now, but like, when you see someone, like, like boo, boo, I was just going
1: to reference
0: And you that. think, oh my God, they would do anything. Yeah. But I think Brenda did anything. I think she fought. I went out for drinks um, a month after she died with her high school friends and they actually had gone to elementary school and up together. And we were talking and I, I remember at one point saying, I think the thing, it's so weird. It, I, You become sort of really protective is what I did. Like I wanted to protect Brenda. I didn't want anyone to say anything terrible because I would get so angry when people would say, oh, she took the easy way out or something like that. And no, her, one of her good friends turned and looked at me and said, Brenda's been fighting with her demons her entire life. She is a fighter. Like she did everything she could, you know, I, I wish that I knew more than I did. And they shared some stories with me that I was unaware of that just with her childhood, um, you know, and I, you know, now I have all these answers of things that we could do that would help her, but I think she fought as best as she knew how. Yeah. And for a long time. Yeah. I think that's like one of the underlying things like for the
1: past month that's been top of mind for me is that you just never know what people are going through. Exactly. You never know. You cannot judge like somebody's short answer or cold attitude or you just don't know what they're going through. Exactly. At all. You really don't. Um <laughs> and and that's a big thing to think about, like to think beyond yourself. Because a lot, you know, it's so easy to get wrapped up in your own life oh, and yeah. your own, oh my gosh, I've got so much going on. And it's like, well,
0: everyone does, you know, and just to be a compassionate person, be present and aware. It it definitely I remember coming home from work one day and I had to drive over Avon Mountain and got to the bottom for something I don't know if it was a song. I don't know what it was. But halfway over the mountain, I start crying. Like hysterically ugly crying. Like I can't breathe. I get to the bottom of the mountain and I look over and there's a woman looking at me. And I remember going, oh my God, I will never judge somebody because she has no idea what I'm right. going through. No. And so I've tried to live that way. And I, I will tell you that, you know... I am not a saint, but I have in the last 13 years, like I've looked at different things that I can change about myself. And, um, I remember telling Melissa, like one of the things I remember is Brenda was very hurt by name calling. So we had a rule in my house that you are not allowed to name call.
1: Mm.
0: And you know, if you're mad at someone, that's fine. But name calling like you're, you're more intelligent that you can, Think of a way to make your point. So I try not to. So I'm one of those people I cringe when I hear, you know, like in songs or different things or, you know, where people walk in and they're like, hey, my bitches or something. I, yeah. It's one of those things now that I just. I don't like people using the word bitch. Yeah, like I just.
1: Liberally like that. It really annoys me.
0: So I've like, I've changed, you know, little things
1: here and there. It's in, I mean, it's it's one of those things, again, like until you go through something that you're not going to be. Affected like we. I talk with with my friends when I'm in traffic, and people get so annoyed. Oh my God, they just cut you off, and and I'm like, yeah, but I'm still alive. They're still alive. There's no accident. Like my blood pressure doesn't even get elevated. Honest to God, you put a heart rate monitor on me and watch. It just doesn't ruffle my feathers because you never know what they're going. Like sure, the guy could just be a total dick and a terrible driver, but at the same time, maybe he's rushing off to go see somebody, or maybe he's just been told something terrible, or maybe he's contemplating suicide, or maybe. Like there was a perfect example, I remember I used to do, um, I used to take pictures for this organization called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep where you photograph people whose babies are dying or dead when they're born and they just want photographs and sometimes you photograph them without the family, sometimes you have them with the family. So I was rushing into this hospital, this baby had like hours left to live and I'm rushing in there and I get like hip checked by somebody as I'm walking in the hospital, I'm like what the fuck? Like I'm going somewhere really, really important. Right. Like I'm gonna go photograph a baby who's about to die with their family. Like, how dare you? And I get upstairs, and it was the dad that bumped into me. Oh
0: wow! And I
1: was like, okay, they're like nothing's more important than that.
0: Yep. You
1: know, like you just never fucking know. You, you don't. don't know, and you have to just have a little grace, you know, and a little compa- compassion. Um, and sometimes it's not life or death. Sometimes people are just distracted and in their own thoughts or whatever, and they're not even noticing they're doing anything or whatever. Right. But does it, is it going to really hurt you to just be compassionate and kind of calm exactly. and like, you know, you just never know. So anyhow, that's just been super, super top of mind lately with so many people that I've been talking to and people that just seem seemingly like so put together. Like when you say when you walk into your group and everyone looks so normal
0: yeah. and
1: you're feeling like this cyclone of emotion inside of you. Exactly. Right? They are all feeling it too. And you just don't know until... You sit down and you ask people about themselves yes. and say, what's going on with you? So where are you now with it? Because like one of the things I wanted to ask you is, um, do you feel like people really know who you are if they don't know this part of your life? Like if I just met you today, would this be a story you would tell me about? Or would you just be like, clean slate, I could just I could just be Sherry. Right. Or will it eventually come up? Like, why do you feel about that? Do you feel like people could truly know you without knowing this about you?
0: No, it, it comes up at some point. Even I i am sitting here like trying to go through. You know what? Even people I work with, mm-hmm. at some point it comes up. And, you know, it's one of those things where you have to figure out how you're going to bring it up. Because, number one, you want to be First of all, you don't know how the other person's going to react, but you also don't know what they've experienced. Mm -hmm. The best advice that I got that was kind of hard for me to understand in the beginning is um, there was a woman who kept always saying to the groups that uh, you need to be gentle with yourself. And I kind of thought, well, that's silly. But realizing that when you are in the heavy part of grief, is very difficult. It's a roller coaster ride. I mean there were times I felt nauseous or I I remember there were times where I felt like because I got up and took a shower, I felt like everybody should be high fiving me because it's so <laughs> exhausting. Yeah. You know like I mm-hmm. got up and actually got dressed today, you know? Yeah. You know, Where's my trophy? <laughs> exactly. I because I think it was maybe a week in, I remember looking over And Melissa was eating Doritos for breakfast. And I remember thinking, at least she's eating. Like, I really didn't even care. You know, like, everything was a struggle, you know. So being gentle with yourself, I think, just really means, you know, listening to what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means, you know, when holidays come, I think the anticipation of a holiday is the hardest part. So learning to say, just because your family did something a certain way doesn't mean you need to continue. That's that's something people really struggle with. So learning to just do what makes you comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that most often a lot of people find that the struggle of, oh my God, here comes you know Brenda's birthday. And then the day, it's the anticipation, those days that yeah. are harder than the actual day.
1: Thank you, Sherry, for taking the time to come share your story and Brenda's story with us all. I was curious what the suicide rates are currently and came across an article posted by the New York Times that stated that, quote, suicide in the United States has surged to the highest levels in nearly 30 years, with increases in every age group except older adults. The suicide rate for middle-aged women, ages 45 to 64, jumped by 63% over the period of the study. In all, 42,773 people died from suicide in 2014 alone compared with 29,199 in 1999." Keep in mind that numbers aren't always accurate because of the shame associated with suicide, so they could, in fact, be much higher than this. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's website at AFSP.org, where you can find support for people who have lost someone to suicide. There are local chapters all over the country where you can find support from people who have a better understanding of what you are going through and who are trained in the proper way to support you. If you are struggling right now and feel like you could use someone to talk to, please call 1-800-273-TALK. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. There's also a crisis text line where you can text the word HELP to 741741. Remember, You are not alone. There is help out there and people who care. Thank you for joining me here on Eyes Up, Heart Open. If you or someone you know has a story that they'd like to share, please visit the website at eyesupheartopen.com and send me a message. I would love to hear from you. Opening music provided by my son Jackson and my dad, Carlos Hernandez Chavez, while jamming on Thanksgiving. Background banter, courtesy of my loud sisters and brothers. The closing music is provided by the talented Noah Behrman from the song Since the Blues Walked In, off of his album titled Turtle Steps.